I've just got back from a lovely holiday. Laura and I, um, we went touring around Northern Europe. Um, we went uh, through Belgium, we went to Luxembourg, and then we spent like a week and a half in France. We went to Paris, uh, we went to uh, the, the west coast of France, and then we hung out on a campsite for a week. And you may remember a picture that I shared with you back in September from last year's holiday that Laura and I went on. Um, if I could have that up on the screen. I don't know if you remember this picture that, that I showed some of you. Now, I talked about a hobby that I had uh, developed. Well, it wasn't yet a hobby, um, but I talked about actually these two girls who were taking photos of their Instagram. You can ignore the strange guy on the lilo. And I, I talked about the two girls who were taking photos for, the in, for their own Instagram to upload. Now, this photo has sparked a little hobby in me, and it is a little bit creepy. Um, but basically, I have developed a hobby that is taking photos of people taking photos for their Instagram. And let me tell you, when you go sightseeing in major cities, it is an absolute gold mine. And I want to show you some of my finest photos from this new hobby that I've developed um, that I took while we were on holiday. The first one, Adam, if you could stick it on the screen. This is a guy in Brussels. So we're at the top of this really huge flight of stairs. A gorgeous view of Brussels. This guy spent 10 minutes doing his own little Instagram shoot and he did collar up, collar down, pose. And just kept posing. I, I couldn't watch the view anymore. I was just fixated with this guy posing for his Instagram. The next one that I've got. So Laura and I, we went to a World War II American cemetery where World War II soldiers were buried there. It was near some of the battlegrounds where, where it was in World War II. It was proper sobering and like really interesting. These people thought, I know what we need to do. Selfies! And honestly, they were doing an Instagram shoot in the middle of the cemetery. And you can see there, she's kind of taking a photo, but, but they were doing selfies next to some of the... Honestly, it was so weird. The next one. So, this is outside Notre Dame. This is the uh, big cathedral in Paris. This is where the Huntsback of Notre Dame film is set. This woman thought, I know what I need to do in front of a nice cathedral. Stand on a pole and look miserable and look like I don't have any arms. Like, so weird. She did not smile once. She just looked like she was having an absolutely awful time outside Notre Dame. But again, so interesting. I know it's creepy, but go with me. So, Paris was an absolute goldmine. We went to the Eiffel Tower the first night we got there, and tons of people were doing this. The whole, look at me, I'm holding the Eiffel Tower pose. But when you take a photo without the Eiffel Tower in it, looks ridiculous, doesn't it? There's two other people as well, if we can go to the next one. Like, what are they doing? They just look like they're trying to be birds or something weird. Like, absolute gold man. If we can go to the next one. So, me and Laura, this, this looks weird. This looks like I'm just taking of a, pic a picture of a girl lying down in front of the Eiffel Tower. That's essentially what it is. But Laura and I, we, on the third day that we were there, we just thought, we're going to chill out. We're going to go lie on the grass, um, chill out, looking at the Eiffel Tower. Had a little snooze, had a little nap. Woke up to find this girl doing her own little Instagram shoot. And just to prove that I'm not taking... This, this was my actual view. I had to get Laura to take that picture because this girl was crouching down in front of me doing a little shoot for her friend. If we can go to the next one. Now, this is brilliant. What is more French than standing in front of the Eiffel Tower wearing a stripy top holding a baguette? 
Like, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so French. Like, absolutely brilliant. I know I'm a weirdo, but I love her. Um, the next one. Oh, this guy was my absolute favourite. I've got a video, but I didn't feel like I could show you the video, but I might show you it later if you come and see me. But on the last night we were in Paris, we decided to go on a little boat trip up and down the river. And um, this guy was just a diamond because he did not look up from his phone once throughout the entire boat trip. He was just on selfie attack mode, like ridiculous. We, so the boat set off from the Eiffel Tower, went up the river, then came back down. And as we came back to the Eiffel Tower, it had now gone dark. So we went on this sunset boat cruise. It was gorgeous. And then um, we came back to the Eiffel Tower. It was all lit up. It looked amazing. And everyone's like got their phones out. This guy with his tash and his sunglasses, bang, 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 selfie, 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 selfie. The boat turned round. He turned round with the boat. Selfie, 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 selfie. Literally did not stop taking selfies. And I absolutely loved it. And now I know that this is a weird, weird hobby to have, but it entertains me an awful lot. There was an awful lot of photos that didn't get my phone out quick enough to take that I'd love to have shown you. But you know what? When we... I am bad for this as well, okay? So I'm, I know I'm kind of taking the mickey out of some people, but I'm also taking the mickey out of myself because I think sometimes when I post on Instagram or when I post on social media, often the entire motive for me posting is that I want to show off. I want to make people jealous. When I'm on holiday and I'm posting all the stuff on my Insta story and putting some things out there, I want people who are sat in school or college or at work and I want them to go, oh, I'm so jealous of Andy Hancock. Like, that's honestly some of my motive for doing it. And sometimes my motive is to be competitive. At the Easter show, uh, I took a photo of uh, some of the performance um, and Abby, who's one of the singers, I sent her the photo and I said, why don't we both post it and we'll see who gets the more likes. Um, and I'm not going to tell you the result of the, like, uh, the competition because it's irrelevant. Um, but, you know, it's com when we, we can become competitive when it comes to social media. Social media is competitive. It's all about how many more followers have you got, how many more likes have you got, how many retweets, how many shares, all of that. You know, I am so bad for this as well. I found a poem that says, I know a girl whose one goal was to visit Rome. Then she finally got to Rome. And all she did was post pictures for people at home. Because all that mattered was impressing everyone she's known. I know another girl who's crying out for help. But her latest caption is, leave me alone. I know a girl happily married till she puts down her phone. I know a girl that saves pictures from places she's flown to post later and make it look like she's on the go. Look at the way we live. We live in a weird world where we, we're competitive on social media and we, we want to compete with each other all the time. And I think the danger when it comes to us in Life Central Youth is that we can become competitive with each other that we can almost um, compare ourselves to one another and be annoyed when you, when you look at people getting opportunities to do stuff and we, we compete and we think, well, why are they getting that opportunity and not me? And, you know, we can, we can get frustrated and, and, and compare ourselves and go, well, I, I'm no use to anybody because I can't lead worship like Dan. You know, maybe, maybe we get competitive when we're pleased that other people mess up, that you hear that this person drank a little bit too much at a party and you think, oh, that's such good news because that makes me feel so much 
You don't say it. No one says it. But some of us think it. I know I've been pleased sometimes in the past when when people have messed up because I thought, man, that makes me look so much better. See, we can be competitive. Maybe, Maybe you can be critical of other people and think when they do it, it's not as good as when that person does it. And the danger is, is that we compete against each other. And, you know, this whole series has been really interesting. We, we're talking about tonight, lose the streak, don't compete. And we talked about lose the beef, and we've talked about lose the clique. And tonight, I want to talk about not competing. When I uh, first started doing youth work, I was about 16, 17. And my youth leader, my youth pastor at the time, he left um, quite suddenly. And we were running this event called LX3. And uh, it was like a, a kind of party night in our church, and we would uh, do like a 10-minute God slot in the middle of it, but the rest of it was just like a bit of a disco and a bit of a uh, party. And um, it was a great event that we loved doing. And when he left, we, me and like a couple of the other young leaders that were there, we were like, we've got to make sure this event keeps going. So we went to the leadership of our church and said, look, we really want to make sure this event happens. Can we please keep running it? And we took responsibility for it. And there was a group of, I think there was about five or six of us who led this event. And it started out as a determination not to let this event stop. And a determination, an event that was reaching our mates for Jesus, we didn't want it to stop. But as it slowly went on and carried on and carried on, we begin, we began to compete with each other. We, be, you know... I fully admit that as a leader, I'm a little bit bossy. I don't know why you're laughing. I admit that I can be quite bossy. Imagine me, I'm now 32. Imagine me 15 years ago at 17, a lot less mature and wise than I am now. Like, I was proper bossy, and I thought I I was like God's messenger to Bootle. Like, which is where, where my town was when I grew up. Like, I thought I was God's gift to my town. Like, I thought I was the absolute business. See, I was quite bossy, and that, that grated with some people, and other people didn't, didn't really show up on time, and that got us. And we began to compete and compare, and, and it became, became really quite a poisonous team. In the end, it was quite difficult. You see, um, disagreements do happen. I don't want you to feel bad if you are a person that that can fall out with people. We all fall out at some point in time, but it's how we deal with that and how we deal with the competition, how we deal with the comparison, how we deal with it when we fall out. You see, there will be times and there are times when when the youth team fall out with one one another. The youth team will be able to tell you probably one by one times where I've upset them and where we have had a disagreement and we've perhaps had crossed words with each other. Like, we need to not feel bad that disagreements happen. In fact, I'm going to show you some moments in the Bible where disagreements happened. In in Philippians 4 verse 2, so Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he's writing a letter to the church in Philippi and he says, I plead with you, Oda, and plead with Sintich, we can call them... Um, Jane and Norma. I plead with Jane and I plead with Norma to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. See, Paul takes a moment when he's writing a bit of the Bible to the church in Philippi to say, ladies, you've fallen out. Just flip and sort it out, will you? Like, 
there's nothing wrong with fallouts. They happen, but it's how we deal with it. In fact, in Acts, the very guy who we're writing, who we're talking about, who wrote the letter to the church in Philippi, he falls out with his mate Barnabas. It says in Acts 15, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark, uh, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in uh, Pamphylia and had continued and had not continued their work with them. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Fallouts happen. I don't want you to feel guilty about falling out, but I want you to be on your guard to reduce the falling out and to deal with them in the right way. And I'm not asking you to be best of mates with everybody here. You know, I know that you will get on with people more than other people. You know, there are, there are you know, people in church that I get on with really well that I'm really close with, and there's other people that I don't get on with so well that, that annoy me a little bit. But you know what? I don't, I don't uh, engage in kind of uh, arguments with them or anything like that because I want to compete together. I want to go forward. I want to be one and united. In fact, Hebrews 10, it's going to come up on the screen. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what I want us to focus on tonight. Not the competition. Lose the streak, don't compete. But let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's push each other forward. You know, I think what can often happen in friendship groups certainly did for me when, when I was a teenager and in my early 20s and occasionally uh, now in my 30s as well is that, is that in friendship groups we spare one another on, not to good deeds, but to stupid stuff. And like, you can be in a group and you go, you know, oh, it'd be well funny if someone did this. And you'd be like, yeah, it would. Oh, go on. Go on. Oh, it'd be well funny, yeah. Or like you can, you can spare one another on to stupid stuff and maybe you're, you're a group of Christian mates and you go, oh, it's all right, we're not a church and no one's looking and none of the youth leaders are here and we all just kind of want to let loose and go to that party and, and just, you know, drink and do all the stuff that everyone else does. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we've all got up. No one's going to tell Andy, are they? No, good. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Maybe that happens. I don't know if that happens or not, but that certainly happened when I was a teenager and that's what me and my mates were doing. One minute we were sparing one another onto good deeds and then the next minute we were sparing on one another to sin and to stupid stuff as well. Like, but I want us to be a group of people, a youth group, that spare each other on to do good things. And it, the Bible verse says, let us consider. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to consider this. The first point that I want us to consider is cheer on. If we're going to spare each other on, then we've got to cheer each other on. When we were on holiday, Laura and I went uh, to a place called Poi de Fou, and uh, this place was an incredible place. It was recommended by John Needham, and uh, it was this amazing theme park, but there was no rides. It was kind of like a whole load of like shows. It was like being on the set of Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and things like that. It was incredible. And one of the shows that we went to was like they built this like coliseum in the middle of this park and it was insane. And there was all these like live animals that came through 
And the whole thing of it was that it was, uh, it was reenacting when Christians used to get persecuted by the Romans. And uh, the kind of Caesar came out, and there was a whole load of Christians who were, who were about to be uh, kind of executed, and it all kicked off, and there was this big battle. But when we were on our way in, when we were queuing to get in, this guy who was dressed like he was there to be part of the show came up to me and Laura and spoke to us, and went, this is my best French impression. And we went, which is something that we said a lot while we were on holiday, I'm sorry, we're English. And the guy just went, ah, je ne comprends pas, je suis français. And then he moved on and ignored it. He didn't do all of that. He just kind of shrugged his shoulders and moved on and like got somebody, asked somebody else. And me and Laura were like, what, what did he want from us? And then we could see that other people dressed like him were, were getting other couples and other people to come to this side room And then when we got inside, we saw that all the people that they pulled out of the queue were suddenly dressed like the Christians and dressed uh, to be part of the show. And me and Laura were like, how gutted are we? We could have, A, been part of the show and we could have represented the Christians. How beautiful would that have been? And like, what their job to do was as the battle was going on, as the real actors were, were, were battling and sword fighting and all this kind of stuff, their job was to cheer as loud as possible and to get all the chants going. And the reason why we couldn't do it is because we didn't understand what the French people were shouting and we wouldn't have been able, they'd have been like, and we'd have been like, like we would have been rubbish. But, you know, their job was to cheer the Christians on who were battling. Their job was to cheer the people on who were on the pitch, playing the game, in the battle. And, you know, our job is to cheer each other on. When we're going into school, when we're going into college, when we maybe go into our part-time jobs or, or into the clubs, that are the after-school clubs, when we go into that stuff, to cheer each other on, to encourage one another. You know, encouragement is absolutely brilliant. I love it when we encourage each other. When we went on the Albania trip, every night we got together and we encouraged each other and we said, where have we seen God at work in each of our lives? And we would go around and people would say, you know, Nick, I saw this in your life and and today when you did that, wow, that really encouraged me and I think you're really good at this, this, this and this. Do you know, I felt brilliant coming out of those meetings. I was like, I am brilliant. Encouragement, nobody hates encouragement everybody loves encouragement let's encourage each other you know we were in Windsor this week doing lessons with year seven and year eight and some of you were there I hope you felt like we were cheering you on because you know we were there to to represent Life Central we were there to represent Jesus we were there to share a bit of our faith but also what I wanted to do is be there and see you sat in the lesson and go mate I am cheering you on as a Christian in this school I'm cheering you on to be all that you can be and all that God's called you to be in this school you know and I hope that you sat there looking at us cheering us on Going, yeah, maybe you felt a little bit awkward that, that Dan and Amber were dancing in front of you in the middle of school. But may I hope that you were sat there going, go on, Andy. As I shared about, about what I felt God was, you know, how I represent God and how um, like Christianity and diversity comes together and all of that. I hope you were sat there going, go on, Andy. Like Our job is to cheer each other on. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, since you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that holds us back. 
that great cloud of witnesses. Sometimes I used to think it was all the Christians that were dead and gone, that were cheering me on. But you know what? I've realized that actually the great cloud of witnesses is all those people, but actually it's the people around me as well. You know, it's great when my parents come to Life Central and they come down for the weekend and they see me in action. Because they always say to me afterwards, wow, I love what you guys do. Really proud of you, son. And they, they like cheer me on. I feel cheered on by a great cloud of witnesses. Let's cheer each other on. Let's encourage each other. The second point that I want to say is that we stand together. You know, I really think in Life Central Youth and Life Central as a whole, we're a family. Like crews, threads, Excel, and not just events that you attend. It's a family that you're a part of. And, you know, families stand together. You know, togetherness is, is, is what family means. You know, I know there's times when my sister has been doing my head in, especially when I was a teenager, and we weren't speaking. But then if somebody said something out of line about my sister, I'd be like, whoa, that's my sister, man. And I'd get all defensive. You know, um, a few years ago, Laura and I went on holiday. It's like a holiday best snaps, isn't it? I'm not going to show you any pictures. But we went to Corfu um, a few years ago, and we were going out. Uh, we'd just been for a meal, and we were just going to go for a drink. And um, we were walking down the main strip in, the, in the, like, the resort that we were staying. And we walked past the bar, and then this girl come out of the bar and went, Andrew. And I was like, whoa. If she'd have said Andy, I'd have been worried that it was an ex-girlfriend. But because she said Andrew, I thought, it's only my family that called me Andrew. And I turned around, and it was my cousin, Paula. I had no idea that my cousin was in Corfu, and she had no idea that I was there. But all of a sudden, I turned around, and there she was. And I was like, no way. And we, honestly, for the rest of the holiday, we spent every night with them. And, like, I don't know Paula that well. I don't spend that much time with her. But because we were both in Corfu together, and because we're family we spent time together, and it was like we just knew each other because there was that bond that's unspeakable. And, you know, since that holiday, I've probably seen Paula about three times. But when I do see her, I'm like, oh, how's it going? And like, we, we, we have a laugh, and we remember the time that we randomly saw each other in, in Corfu because families have a bond that keep them together. And, you know, I want us to stand together. And I know for some of you, family is a difficult concept to understand. And some of you have got quite a negative experience of family in your past. But, you know, this is a family that you can be a part of. And this is a family, you know, God is our heavenly father and he loves us. And we stand together under the love of God the Father. And we stand together for each other. You know, what I love is the early Christians. Have you ever seen that, like, Christianity is one of the symbols for Christianity is like a little fish? And, you know, like some keen Christians put it on the back of their car. Um, I don't put it on my car because my driving isn't good enough to represent Jesus. And uh, the re the, where that came from is when the Christians were being executed, they had to keep it a secret and they had to keep it undercover. So what they would do is if they were chatting to somebody and they were talking, to, talking away and they didn't know them and they met them for the first time and then they're talking and they would maybe think to themselves, hmm, I wonder if this guy is a brother in the Lord. He, I think he might be a Christian. What they would do is on the, on the floor in the, in the sand, they would draw like one half of the fish. So with their foot, they would kind of just subtly go and do like the little one curve. And if the other person was a Christian, they would do the other half and they would go, I'm a Christian also. And like it was this secret code that they would go, are you a Christian? 
yes, I am. And if they weren't, they'd just go, <laughs> and like wipe it away. You see, there was a togetherness there. That, that It was a, this underground movement of Christianity that these guys and girls were going, are you a Christian? And they were going, yeah, I am. And they would cheer each other on and stand together and go, oh, isn't this amazing? I can't believe we're both Christians and we'll be really excited about it. Let's stand together like that. Let's be undercover Christians. Let's be like a secret band of brothers that we, we encourage and cheer each other on and we stand together. In Galatians 3 verse 20, I actually used this verse in Windsor this week. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Gentile is the word for people who weren't Jews. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. My third point, and I'm going to speed up because I'm running out of time. My third point is know your role. You know, when, when you're in the same team as each other, you understand that you've got different roles to play. Jordan Pickford, who's the England goalkeeper, he knows that it is his job to stop the ball going in the net. And he's doing a pretty good job of it, even though he's an Everton goalkeeper and he's got tiny arms. He is actually doing a really good job of it. Now, if, if uh, Harry Kane decided, oh, actually, I fancy you go with doing that, and he went in goal, like, he could probably stop it with his massive chin. Um, but he, his role is not to be goalkeeper. His goal is not to stop the ball going in the net. His role is to put the ball in the net. You see, in a team, you have different roles. And the problem with, with our team in the, in the uh, LX3 when I was doing that youth event as a young leader is that none of us knew our role. See, I was naturally trying to be the boss and trying to boss everyone about and trying to be in charge. But then there was somebody else who was trying to do the same thing and we would clash and we would fall out and argue and then there was other people who didn't quite know their role and we're all trying to do different things. And actually knowing our role and the part to play that we've got to play is really, really important. Each of us have got a role. You know, I could never try and lead worship like Dan does for a number of reasons. But, you know, I know that it's his role to be excellent at that. And I'm grateful that he is excellent at that. And, you know, you might think, oh, I could never sing like Molly, Sarah, or Tanasha, and I could never go and be on the stage. Or, or maybe you think you can sing, but, but not as well. There's different roles for us. You know, I look at people like Angel and, and Jess and Faith and Karen and, and um, all of you guys that the volunteer and the kids who work and think, you guys are brilliant at that. And I wish I was as good at, at kids' work, but I'm not. And I know my role. My role is, is to be here. Your role is to go and do that and serve in that. And I thought, Elliot, you shared excellently this morning about your role is actually, you, you met God in, in kids' work, so you're giving back to it. Mate, you have found your role. Like, keep knowing your role and keep serving in that. We have all got a role to play. We've all got a part to play in this. You know, Ephesians 4 says, live a life worthy of your calling. We're all called to do different things. We're all called to serve in different ways. We're all called to live our lives for God in different ways. You know, it is not my job to sit next to your mates in maths and invite them to church. That's your job. But my job is to encourage you. My job is to equip you to do that. My job is to put on things like crews that you can invite your mates to. This Wednesday is a fantastic opportunity to invite your mates. 
hey, come and watch it at church. We're all watching it. It's going to be mental. We're going to be singing songs. We're going to, you know, we're going to have a laugh. We're going to create an atmosphere. Invite your mates this Wednesday. That's not my job to do that. That's your role. Your role is to go and invite your mates. My role is different. See, we've all got different roles. Let's understand our roles as we spare each other on. My final point is grace. Have grace. Like I said earlier, disagreements will always happen. When we're working as a team, there will be fallen notes. There will be disagreements. There will be times where we say things that we shouldn't say to one another. There will be times where we're not thinking and we do something that upsets someone. Grace is so, so important. Good teams know how to disagree with each other. They know how to challenge each other. But then they have the grace to move forward. And they keep going towards the goal. Guys, let's have grace with each other. We're a family. We stand together. We spare one another on towards good things. Disagreements and falling outs will happen. But let's deal with them in the right way. Let's have grace. Let's have grace before it gets to beef. Let's spare one another on. You know, this whole series, Dan, if you want to make your way back up to stage, that would be great. You know, this whole series of Lose the Streak has been about friendship. It's been about us as a dynamic and a community, but also about you and your friendship groups as well. It's been about losing the beef, about losing the clique, about not competing, about moving away from, from the negative and the, the cliqueiness and the, and the arguments. It's moving away from that and moving towards a place where we spare one another on and we encourage each other. And, you know, um, I was going to say this is our last Threads Live before we break for the summer, but it's not. Because cruise celebration a week on Wednesday, we're going to do up here, and it's going to be a little bit like Threads Live. And uh, but your job during the summer, when Threads isn't on and cruise isn't on, and you know you're in a church once a week, your job is to spare one another on towards good deeds. Your role this summer is to encourage each other, to stand together, to play your part and know your role, and to have grace with each other. Let's not waste the summer. You know, often what happens is you come in September and you go, oh, I've drifted from God a bit. Let's make this summer count. Let's make this summer the summer where you spend the most time with God. Let's encourage one another. Let's spare one another on to spend time with God. To not do the daft things that we can end up doing in the summer. Like your job throughout this summer is to encourage each other and to spare each other on. And uh, we're going to respond. And to be honest, I don't really know what we're going to respond to. Um, I just want us to spend just a little bit of time waiting on God and seeing what God wants to do. Um, just as we close out this series and then um, we're going to have ice pops after that. Um, why don't you stand? And just close your eyes. And I'm just going to invite God to move by His Holy Spirit. And 
to wait. I'm going to see what God wants to do. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and move. We invite you now to come and speak to us. Spirit of God, we wait for you.
God, I pray in a summer where it feels like maybe they're already tired, already exhausted, that God, in the time that they have got ahead of them, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to them in really intimate moments. That there will be moments where they have nothing to do, but they choose to spend that time with you. And in that time, their relationship with you just comes to life. God, I pray that they would be in such a strong place this summer that they hear your voice speak to them so deeply that this will be the summer that everything changes. God, I pray that they would know what it is to have an intimate relationship with you that doesn't depend on um, going to events, God, but actually the time that they spend with you intimately on, on their own will fill them up and excite them so much that they would fall deeper in love with you. God, raise their expectations of what you are going to do in them over these next few weeks. So it's my turn to share some holiday memories. I was on holiday last week in Mallorca and we were by the sea uh, and we looked out one time at the sea and it was perfectly smooth. You could, you could, you could see your reflection in the sea. It was just as message in there that sometimes people think it's all right what Laura said or it's all right it's all right what Andy said because you're calm you're you're that perfect see you're that perfect view but I'm nothing like that and actually I was looking at the pictures up on the screen and it's the same sea um but there that's waves and that's turmoil and that's stress and actually that's my life I, my life isn't that mill pond my life's like that so I can't connect with you and actually I think God's saying you're the sea whether you're in turmoil, whether you're in stress, whether you're in waves at the moment, or whether you're perfectly milled pond smooth, God loves you. You are God's sea, and, and you can connect with it however you are at the moment. So whether you're calm, whether you're stressed, God loves you, and, and God just wants to worship through you and wants you to worship Him. Brilliant. Thanks, John. Um, that stand-together thing... I think is huge. Do you know there's not elephants in the room, there's not that many people here tonight. Um, but I think we can do something that's representative of Life Central Youth. Um, so I'd like us all to come down the front. And like us to stand together as a group so if we can shuffle in and what I'd like us to do is put our put our arms around the person next to us and it doesn't matter if you don't know them that well it's fine do you know what I mean if if you're a boy and you're next to a girl it doesn't mean you're gonna marry them like we're just standing together as a youth group and we make sure that nobody is left out and I want us to pray and I'm going to make you pray out loud. And I'm going to, you're going to actually do it rather than go, dear God, and let other people pray out loud for you. Like, let's pray out loud and let's pray that God would unite us, that God would help us to stand together, that we wouldn't compete. Maybe pray for the person next to you and say, God, would you help me to not compete with them? Would you help me to not compare myself to them? Would you help me to not compete? Would you help me to not have beef? Would you help me to lose the clique? God, would you unite us and give us grace with each other? 
I've just given you a whole load of things to pray. So we're going to pray out loud, and then I'm going to pray over you. We're going to, I'm going to suggest one more thing, and then we're going to sing. So let's pray. Are you ready? One, two, three, pray. Father God, I pray that you would unite us together as a family. God, I thank you that you are our Father. And as that song says, that you are a good, good Father. Lord, and I pray that as we are family, God, would we stand together. God, would we have each other's backs, even when we fall out, even when we do each other's head in. God, I pray that we would have each other's backs, that we would look out for one another. God, that we would cheer each other on. God, as we see each other going to school, as we see each other in the corridor in school or college, God, would we almost give that nod to each other that says, go on. God, that we would look at each other and cheer each other on in in the environments that we're serving you. God, I pray that we would stand together. I pray that we would understand our role. God, if we don't feel like we understand where our place is to serve and where our, our place is in the world and our place is in the church, God, I pray that you would help us to find it. God, I pray that you would give us a real sense of... Um, kind of uh, like uh, comfort in our role God that you would help us to find a role that fits us would you give us security in where we serve and God I pray that you would give us grace God would you help us to let go of the things that hurt us God would you help us to forgive each other would you help us to understand each other and just have grace in your, in your mighty name we pray Amen. Amen. Um, you can let go of each other's arms. We're going to sing together to finish off. Um, but you know, if you, on the grace thing, if you have potentially got an issue with somebody else who's here tonight, don't go home without sorting it. It might be that it's as simple as just going up to one another and going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too and praying for each other. Let's not leave tonight. Let's lose the beef. And let's let's have grace with each other. And let's deal with that stuff. So if there is issues that need to be dealt with, get, get them dealt with before you get an ice pop and pray for each other. But we're going to finish by singing together.